Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor H.A. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter and book by book, as we take a look at all these books we didn't have a chance to take a look at as we close out here in 2020, looking at 2 Kings chapter 16, uh, also with a little bit of an epilogue, looking at the first six verses of chapter 17. Uh, We talked about King Ahaz last time in connection to Elijah and talked about that role of uh, certain prophets being the ones to uh, correct and provide that counterpoint for the kings and and all the discussion we've seen already in uh, 1 and 2 Samuel about the desire of the king's heart. There's got to be some kind of check or balance against just what a king wants. And so here today, well, this is the other side of it. Um, It's not just about the king, because there's a king of the king. This is a really interesting moment here. Assyria shows up onto the scene, and it's at King Ahaz's invitation. What does that mean? It's vassalage or death. Today, we are talking with our guest, Pastor John Shank, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Welcome back, brother. Good to talk with you today. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a big idea that's easy to, to miss how just because you're king, like we, I, I don't know, I, I think we have this idea of like, okay, he's king, that's it, period. But it's a, uh, it's it's a little bit more multi-layered than that, right? Yes, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's definitely an an interesting interesting chapter because we're definitely reminded of uh, the Book of Isaiah and uh, the oh, yeah. Ahaz and and kind of bringing it all together to to see um, the great folly of a king who forgets um, who is king over him and wants another king (laughs) instead of having what he has instead of rejoicing in what he's been given seek something lesser Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh and seeks seeks hope in what is uh um, not anything that can give us any kind of hope and and god uh god reminds him of that uh, especially if we take all of it together Mm -hmm. yeah i know that that's right because there's this religious I mean, I think that's the other side of it, too, is just kind of like, okay, wrapping your hands around the the political situation that's very different from what we think of. But then seeing that that political situation is not different or distinct from the religious one. We're, We're so used to thinking in terms of like, okay, this is the political stuff over here, and now this is the religious stuff over here. Uh, as if we can just kind of like, you know, each has their own sandbox and one thing's not going to affect the other, but it's just not like that at all. And when he signs up to be the vassal of Assyria, that means Assyrian religion right along with it. And, and you can't have one without the other. No. And that, yeah, when it comes to Assyrian religion, but then the king and who that king's God is, is right. how the people viewed their life. And for the king of Judah, the king who's in Jerusalem, to say this king will be over me is to say that their God is mightier than our God, and that cannot stand. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to have to reckon with uh, with both both aspects of it um, because because they are all um, yeah intertwined here. Um, 
Before we turn to the chapter, brother, would you go ahead and start us off with a word of prayer? Yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord God, our Heavenly Father, be with us in this day and leave us not in the folly of our sin, uh, but to call us back. Use this Advent tide as a time of, of returning, for we are reminded of your coming in the person of your Son to be our Savior and to give us that hope, that assurance that you are with us. Your Son is our Emmanuel, God with us. Be with us today. Um, so that we may return unto you and to put our trust and our hope in you, which is, is never folly. It's, it's never brought to ruin. It is always sure and is always uh, true. Be with us as we rejoice in this word of promise that you give to us, uh, a promise of your coming again on the last day, to gather us all before your holy throne and to be with us as our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it has been a blessing to look at all this uh, good Old Testament stuff and kind of going in, in chronological order, because it does feel like, a, I don't know, just like different verses of uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or something like that. Uh, yeah, so kind of al- along those lines, um, a- anything... So a la- last time we looked at First Kings 17 and talked just very briefly about Ahaz, but I don't know, any, anything else you might do to kind of just help set the stage before we read this chapter through? Yeah, I guess when I was taking a look and uh, doing a little review, what jumped out to me is um, the question of how. Like, how did we get here, and how did we... Um, how did uh, the line which brought us to Ahaz crumble so quickly within just generations? I mean, I mean, it seems like I mean I, you can go back and, and see some struggle, of course, in the generations that that came before the two kings that came before, and yet when they are described, they're described as. Um, you know they did what was what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, that's yeah. uh, chapter fifteen, uh, verse thirty-four. And yet you always have this like highlighted but, and or nevertheless in uh, yeah. verse thirty-five. Nevertheless, the high places were not removed, and the high places are these places in which uh, maybe people could uh, still render uh, worship to the uh, one true God, but there are places in which false worship was allowed <laughs> and, and where false worship was, um, was conducted. And, and so God keeps saying, yeah, they, were, they lived uh, rightly, and yet, nevertheless, false worship still was allowed um, by my people and in my land and, and right here in these high places. Um, and so maybe that is a, an answer of how we get to, to Ahaz, who we will see pretty quickly um, is, is doing and leading the people in a pretty horrific way horrific way, um, not just politically, um, but religiously, spiritually, leading them into um, destruction. And so it's like, well, we have these two kings right before who appear to be very faithful. I know we've got, whenever there is uh, signs of faithfulness, there's, there's always sin. I mean, we are, that's, that is um, the result of the fall, and, and we all uh, fall short of his glory. And yet it, they're listed as being faithful uh, and yet they didn't do this, so maybe this is uh, a reminder to us that that worship is uh, and our and our 
and our call to be faithful in, in worship uh, is generational. So don't, uh, you know, yeah. when we allow our children and grandchildren uh, not to be in, in worship and, and leading in that direction, we see how quickly things can just fall apart from faithful generation yeah. to unfaithfulness so quickly. I mean, if we're going to try to find some application, but yeah, this is where yeah. we are in Scripture in which we're in the midst of divided kingdom of uh, um, of Israel, or depending on where you are in, in uh, reading the Old Testament, or Ephraim in Isaiah, yeah, right. this Ephraim. Uh, it's to the north, and these two um, these two brothers are not acting like brothers. I mean, these are are uh, the north is coming to wage war against the southern kingdom, against um, against Judah, and that's mm-hmm. that's amazing, amazingly horrific. When we look at these are these are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, these are brothers and uh, clans of of uh, of Isaiah uh, or of uh, of Israel, and uh, and yet uh, through um, unfaithfulness, um, we are we've actually turned against each other in war. Yeah, no, that's a it's a it's a really great way of, of framing it here. I, I I mean I think that you're right. We we got to end our own times, right? Like, it would be, you know, to, to draw some analogies here, right? Just as it was wrong for the South to assume, oh, well, you know, we're Judah, right? You know, it's like, yeah, Israel, they're the ones who are, you know, going off the deep end, you know, but we're we're like the good conservatives or something like that, right? And kind of like resting on their laurels and being like, oh, well, you know, we, we're, we're, we're good. Uh, you're right. It, it is a generation-to-generation thing, and you can't just assume that just because you have the the right brand or something that you know everything's just hunky dory i mean so like same deal with like you know whatever denomination or you know here we are in the lcms i mean it is a a generation to generation thing whether that uh that faithfulness persists and uh yeah i mean so it's like last time you got you know ahab um in the north just you know i mean that that, that happened relatively quickly i mean ahab was uh I mean, I don't know what, like number six or seven or something like that uh, in in the north. So, I mean, uh, I guess, you know, by the time you get to Ahaz in the south, I mean, it takes it takes longer, you know, to like kind of get to this level of uh, yeah, yeah, just drifting, I guess, you know, from from orthodoxy. But I mean, it can happen in the north, can happen in the south, you know, it can it can happen uh, anywhere. So, yeah, no, it's a it's a good way of. Of framing it here for us here as we uh, look at the the southern scenario here. Let's go ahead and just uh, read through the chapter. Then we've got chapter sixteen of Second Kings here, and uh, the first six verses of chapter seventeen. In the seventeenth year of Pekah the son of Remaliah, Ahaz the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree, then Rezan, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to wage war on Jerusalem. 
and they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. At the same time, Reason, the king of Assyria, recovered Elath for Syria, and drove the men of Judah from Elath, and the Edomites came to Elath, where they dwell to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Kir, and he killed reason. When King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, he saw the altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest a model of the altar and its pattern, exact in all its details. And Uriah the priest built the altar in accordance with all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before the king, before King Ahaz arrived from Damascus. And when the king came from Damascus, the king viewed the altar. And the king drew near to the altar and went up on it and burned his burnt offering and his grain offering and poured his drink offering and threw the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. And the bronze altar that was before the Lord, he removed from the front of the house, from the place between his altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of his altar. And the king A- and King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, On the great altar, burn the morning offering and the evening grain offering and the king's burnt offering and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land and their grain offering and their drink offering and throw on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. But the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Uriah the priest did all this as King Ahaz commanded. And King Ahaz cut off the frames of the stands and removed the basin from them. And he took down the sea from off the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on a stone pedestal. And he covered the way for the Sabbath that had been built inside the house and the outer entrance for the king. He caused to go around the house of the Lord because of the king of Assyria. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaz that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Judah? And Ahaz slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, began to reign in Samaria over Israel. And he reigned nine years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria. And Hoshea became his vassal and paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria found treachery in Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done the year, uh, as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land and came to Samaria, and for three years he besieged it. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Halah and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, in the cities of the Medes. And just like that, just one verse, right? Like the fall of Israel. It's kind of interesting how the ESV gives it its own little heading there, and it's just like, there it is, just in one verse, how quickly 
um, it comes crashing down. It, it is it is really interesting though in this in this span here how you just see. Um, I mean, I mean, you feel it, and, and you mentioned. I appreciate it, you mentioned uh, Isaiah because because you feel that tension with Isaiah too. That there's this power struggle, this tug of war going on between Egypt and then the Eastern powers, whether that's Syria or Assyria or you know, later Babylon, more or less, just whoever controls the city of Babylon, right? Um, but yeah, there's this this tug of war going on, and uh, Israel and Judah get swept up in it. And uh, cease to be really independent powers in all the in all this, and they become they become vassals for one or for the other. Yeah, yeah, because they forget they forget who they are. And Isaiah does a great job, <laughs> as a prophet does when he speaks the word of the Lord and reminds reminds Ahaz who is Syria and and who is Ephraim. Um, and he yeah. kind of he kind of reminds them who their who their head is, and then it's it, the the silence is is deafening because there there should be another you know and and who's Judah and, and mm-hmm. isn't that Jerusalem and who's the head of Jerusalem? Oh yeah, it's not you, Ahaz. It's me. I'm yeah. the head. Like he keeps reminding them these end with a human being. Yeah. Right yep. here with you, your end is in me. That's good news. That's good. It's coming strong. It's coming with a little a little heat behind it, right? But in the end, this is good news for you. So, um, and then yeah. we can get to the other good news stuff too. But um, that's supposed to, you know, straighten them up because um, because in the midst of in the midst of it, going back to our chapter chapter sixteen, um, he. Uh, he was he was shaken, right? He was uh, he was uh, he, he was shaken like a tree uh, in the midst of this uh, in the midst of this blowing of uh, of the winds of change here that yeah. were coming against him. Um, so he should have been uh, reminded that he um, he has God, the one true God, not not a God that's localized in a certain place under a certain king. Um, he's got the God of the universe who is his God. And, and we kind of have that with the beginning of chapter, uh, chapter 16, um, because uh, there, uh, there the writer um, says, uh, verse 3, but he walked in the way, oh, sorry, let me go back to verse 2. Um, mm. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. Yeah. Um, so he goes all the way back to David, um, yeah. and which reminds him that David desired a house of the Lord. Um, David desired uh, the temple. Uh, and what, what what does Ahaz do with worship? And what does Ahaz do with the temple? Um, and um, Ahaz um, worships falsely. And, and even here, there's mention of uh, human sacrifice um, yeah. and, and just horrible... Horrible realities, um, and uh, the 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 complete opposite of um, of of being one who who sought after the heart of the Lord. Yeah, no, there's there's a you know there's a lot good there. I, I like that you were uh, I, I like what you were doing there with the with the tree metaphor though being being shaken like a tree because we're going to see 
Uh, of course, with with Ahaz, you know, he's uh, he's shaken like a tree, but it's uh, Hezekiah that's going to be um, reduced to a mere stump, and then, and then we're going to have the repentance, right? Where you have a, a little a little shoot's going to come out of that that stump, right? Uh, so no, that, that that's that's kind of neat to to think about too. And of course, uh, I, I think then like I think this is what we should uh, maybe take up right now. Um, that that's interesting to kind of think of that tree metaphor in the context of uh, verse four, as you were starting to allude to, where it says here, any sacrifice and made offerings. Um, you know, this is so interesting on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Uh, you know, I. <laughs> I, it, I don't know if that's uh, I, 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 that might be comic hyperbole. I don't know what you think, you know, where it's just like, you know, because clearly he didn't like, you know, build right. an altar under every single green tree. But this is just kind of like, yeah, you know, this guy was bad. Like the guy was building altars and worshiping gods left and right, you know, all over the place. You know, it's kind of like when someone says, you know, everybody and his brother or something like that. Right. Um, right. The, the, the worship, the worship contrasts. Are, are really striking. No one has done this um, in Judah up to this point. Yeah. And we, you know, you'll get it again. Um, I'm not sure what your, your reading schedule will be, but if the people were going to keep reading and with yeah. Manasseh, the grandson, you know, like this yeah. happens, this happens again. Like these two <laughs> are, are bad of bad, right? And, yeah. um, and they're, downfall is is bad bad so we uh we have that before us and his his fear um it uh, it's political fear re- reflects his faithlessness fear yeah yeah no 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 and that, that that's uh that i think takes us back to the point that you're making about just how generational faithfulness is right i mean you know, uh, yeah. So you have like a you know bad Ahaz, and you get repentance and Hezekiah. All right, you know, like the the promised Messiah in, in many ways. Um, and then right after him, it's Manasseh. Oh, like somehow like worse than Ahaz, right? In some respects. So I, I mean, it's just uh, yeah. It, I mean, it is just like you can't you can't ever take it for granted here. Um, well, let's take a look. We, we got a couple minutes before our break here. Let's take a look at a couple of the details here. So, um, you know, here we, we've got the situation, the setup here. Um, it says you're in the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah. Uh, that's when Ahaz, the son of Jotham, begins to reign in Judah. So that that's just kind of setting it up so we know um, who's ruling in the north right now. Um, and, and it's actually, you know, like it's, it's right towards the end. You look at like the list of like the Kings of Israel, like, uh, you, you, you look all the way down at Pekah, you're like, Oh, <laughs> there's, there's not many names left and we're going to, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of see why. Um, and, and, and so what do you make of it though? He, he walks in the way of the Kings of Israel, but he's going to sick Assyria on Israel. I mean, like. I, I mean Assyria. I mean th- this is this is the the big nasty evil superpower, right? This this is the we we, we talked about Assyria, right? Um, you know Jonah was angry that Assyria wasn't getting punished. He was like, God, what are you talking? This this is our enemy. They're always attacking us, and, and here he is. He's making an alliance. He's swearing his allegiance to these guys and like calling a hitman, calling him to take out the North. Yeah, and I mean you. You kind of like you you've been doing. You kind of look at these things, and you you can understand 
uh, politically, right? If you were going to have a problem in the world uh, and you were a smaller nation, you might call on a bigger nation. You might call the United States. You might call yeah, whomever to right. say, hey, mm-hmm. um, don't we have a treaty? Uh, I'll be good to you and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But can you make sure that these, these other ones uh, know that you're with me? And, and so you can kind of see it, but you, but you can't. You can't divorce. You can't separate the the ramifications that he know. He has to know that he is making a deal with the devil. Like he has yeah. to know that he is making such for the king of Judah. Yeah. To not and, and and we we have to understand that. I mean, God does send him the prophet Isaiah to to remind him, don't do this. Uh, trust in the Lord. Ask for a sign. It will be given to you. And uh, this fake pious, I won't put the Lord, <laughs> our God. Yeah, right. Right? That's so fake, right? It's mm-hmm. so, um, it's, it becomes anti, uh, anti-pious. It's, it's this, uh, yeah. you know. Well, and we'll have to talk about that, Trump. too, with the altar, right? Like, like you were saying, it's kind of like the, the, the shows of, oh, yeah, no, no, Yahweh is still okay. Like, eh, you know, with the, with the altar, you know, um, but really a... Well, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's a very damning account of how um, Yahweh just becomes uh, an afterthought or kind of a backup plan or something. But it's time for our break. But when we get back, we'll be taking a look at that as we continue to look at Second Kings chapter sixteen on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Twenty twenty has already been a year of chaos. Now add in the end of the year chaos, duties, deadlines, regrets, plus the pre Christmas chaos of ads, peer pressure, shopping, family gatherings, empty seats at the table. Who can bring calm to this chaos? Well the true calm isn't that we'd all just get through it or even get along. The true calm is the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace that comes from his promises, the peace that comes from his forgiving blood, the peace that comes from a confident hope in the resurrection to eternal life for all who trust in him. Don't ride the wave of chaos to get to Christmas and the end of the year. Join the Christian church for Advent and find the calming peace of Christ in your church and home. For Advent, Family, Table Grace, and many other resources, check out lcms.org slash advent. That's lcms.org slash advent. And find the peace that this world cannot give. How do we love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of The Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness. 
You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 2 Kings chapter 16 today, joined by our guest, Pastor John Shank at Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Shank, give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash Espinosa where uh, we've got a couple different questions here, really kind of focusing on the, uh, the worship practices, which we were just talking about in terms of, okay, so what's, what's the deal with Ahaz wanting, you know, he wants to you know, have his cake and eat it too. Well, this, this is the thing, right? Uh, ha- have your cake and eat it too should be like the heading for this whole like, section. Um, he wants the bronze altar still. So what's he want it for? Um, this, this inquire by stuff. Um, yeah, another question, uh, how should we view Uriah? Right, like Uriah just kind of seems to do whatever Ahaz says. Uh, you know, what what do we what what do you th- we think about that? You know, is Uriah as bad as Ahaz and all this? So yeah, no, those are good questions here. Um, I want to make sure to before we turn to those questions, thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word. Their website lhfmissions.org. Uh, but yeah, so right right before the break, we were talking about this, making a look at some of these uh, these comparisons here. So uh, there's a, there's a grand irony, right? How it says there in verse three, you know, he walks in the ways of the kings of Israel. So it's like you know uh, they, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? So <laughs> you know, uh, so on the one hand, it's like uh, he's paying Israel a great compliment, like you know what, you guys, you're doing it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this like you. But on the other hand, he sends Assyria after them. I mean, which is, which is just brutal, right? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you said at the beginning, um, you know, like these are, these are brothers, right? You know, this is like, you know, Jacob and Esau and we should be, you know, that we, we, we were hoping for a happy ending with a hug, right? But it's like, you know, he calls in Assyria just to, to wipe them out. And, and ultimately that's what happens. I mean, we don't think about this. We, we are always like, oh, well, the North, you know, they were bad, they were bad, and they, uh, you know, they worshipped idols, so they they had what was coming to them. But this chapter says that the South did the same things that the North did, including the child sacrifice bit. I'm not even. I'm actually starting to wonder to myself. I wonder how much we've heard about the North doing that even. Um, but so they're doing the same bad stuff, and it's the South that calls in Assyria to do this. So you can really just as easily say. Well, the reason why the North was destroyed is because of the South. I mean, which which says, I mean, which says what? You know, like I mean, who's really the the bad guy then? Yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. The, the Lord, it's like uh, the the answer is just repent. We're not going yeah, to yeah. find the. You're not going to find the clean one, the holy no. one, the righteous one, by looking at these two. 
<laughs> and these two will just show us more and more why we needed the answer that Ahaz got, right? Um, right. Emmanuel. So, um, yeah, when we say he followed in line with Israel, that's 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 why we teach our older sons to be good examples to our younger sons. Because you, yep. just because they're following in that example, obviously, as you're saying, that's not a good thing. They're following the wrong example. They, they should have been distinct and been right. an example to the north to return to worship God where he had promised to be <laughs> through his mm-hmm. sacrifices there at the temple. And, and uh, so, yeah, th- this, is, this is not good. And, um, and, and yet, as we've kind of been talking back and forth, there seems to be two options for the kings, either um, kind of a, a hawk-like attitude or a dove-like attitude, a hawk-like attitude to Assyria or to, to Egypt, to these two powers, or maybe against these two powers, or a dove-like attitude and sending tribute and submission. And so Ahaz takes a dove-like attitude uh, where the two, you know, the two that are coming against him, maybe were doing it in a way to bring, uh, bring him along with them at first. I mean, one could speculate to bring him along. And if he would not come along, of course, then we're just going to uh, depose him and put in our own king. Uh, yeah. Which there was their attempt, right? And mm-hmm. um, but if he would have said, "Oh, you know what? Uh, you, your plan is good," I'm sure they would have taken him along too. And then three is better than two uh, yeah. against against Assyria, who they had a very um, hawk-like attitude towards. Yeah. And uh, and so he he does what a dove does, and he uh, sends his tribute along, and they and. And Assyria does what Assyria has been given to do, to judge and to destroy. And, and so they come in, Assyria comes in and does that. But when he does, when they do come in, uh, Ahaz goes and sees this, this altar there and makes a copy of it and brings that home. So once yeah. again, he's, um, he's courting after the things that he believes will bring him um, success. Power, right? No, no, yeah. it, it, it's all just power plays and just, yeah, no, no, you see that. And I appreciate the way you're breaking it down because, I, I mean, we, we got to understand the, just kind of like the, the basics of, of this alliance and treaty stuff. You know, so, so the North, you know, they make this alliance with Syria, um, which in, in some ways it's almost easier just to describe it because it's like, yeah, Syria and Assyria, which is just confusing. It's, it's almost right. easier just to refer to them by their capitals and right. just talk about Damascus and uh, talk about um, Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh, right? So, I mean, uh, so, so, you, so you have that, though. They have this alliance, like you were saying, and uh, yeah, they, they probably would have just happily just, you know, deposed the southern king, put in a new guy. And, and, and the thing is, we, we got to understand, this is what they did, like, in the ancient world all the time. I mean, it's hard to take over another country, you know, and, and then just be like, okay, well, you know, you're you're part of us now, right? I mean, when you have such strong, you know, bloodlines, you know, uh, such strong like family memory, collective identity, right? Uh, it's easier to say, okay, no, no, no. Look, like you still have your king. You still have here. Look, here's the king of the Jews, right? Like you, you think about that um, that title, um, you know, that was used at the time of our Lord. You know, king of the Jews. That that the idea was, um, okay, look, you're you're king of the Jews. 
for us. <laughs> you know, we're 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 the ki- you know Caesar is the king of kings, um, and and then you are our little under king, right? You know, king of the Jews. Um, and so that was that was the plan. Right? That was the, that was the scheme. And in fact, uh, that term king of kings was actually used in the east uh, by the, the kings of Assyria um, and, and those who followed after them. Uh, you know, and that was that was how they operated. They would install their own little puppets, and that was a pretty effective strategy for a long time. But uh, you know, Ahaz is uh, you know he like he likes his power, and so I mean, this is the crazy thing, right? He's like, well, no, I'm not going to be deposed. So I'd rather be uh, a vassal to Assyria than to give up my power. And uh, have us go along with uh, with this scheme. I mean, so th- it's really it's really quite damning because he really ultimately says, you know, I, I care more about power um, than the whole northern kingdom. I I, I mean, you know, because he I mean, it would like you were saying, it would have been bad if they had all just gone along and just had this alliance with Syria. I'm sure that that would have you know had all kinds of stuff going on in terms of uh, paganism and false worship. But at least the north wouldn't have been just you know, annihilated, but he's like, no, I'd, I'd rather stay in power. So let's just, you know, turn the, yeah, let's just carpet bomb the North. I, I mean, that's, it's a, yeah, it's really despicable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he had the opportunity and I keep going back to uh, Isaiah seven, because it does give us that, that insight that that's what they wanted to do. They did want to put in another King. If this King second go with us. Yeah. And then I, then Ahaz was given that, that sign, you know, that, that word that, you know, don't, don't go along with any of these schemes and trust in the Lord. Like he didn't have to go along with any of it. Like it, no. he, he was given that opportunity to say, no, I don't have to choose between two bad options. I have the Lord our God. And, you know, the thought, and it keeps going back to a faithfulness reality, the thought that if I, if I choose wrong here, that will be the end of me when he's forgetting that he's the line he's the line of the 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 great promise that there will be a messiah that that david's david's line won't come to an end so he could have put all of his trust in the lord that the lord's going to work this out the lord is the one on whom i'm going to put my trust and my hope and he will he will rescue me he will he will save he will save uh, his people. So he doesn't yeah. have to put his hope in either one of those plans. And he could no. have called uh, Ephraim. He could have called uh, Israel back to repentance yet again and, and just and just left it with that. Uh, but he didn't. Right. Well, no, yeah. So he sacrifices, instead, he sacrifices his brother, right? He sacrifices the North uh, to stay in power. And then also, um, as, as we were saying, he sacrifices his son, um, you know, which which is really something there in verse three, and and, and I think that it's a it's a pretty I, I feel like that that's a pretty rich image there because I feel like he's kind of doing that on multiple levels, like you were saying. I mean, he has the promise right of the messianic line, and instead, right, he's he's like giving that up. I mean, he's he's sort of I don't know tossing that to the side or you know passing it through fire in in a sense, right? I mean, and that's what he's doing. I mean, he's he's signing up his son after him, Hezekiah, um, to be a vassal of Assyria, and and we see how quite literally um, Judah is going to pass through fire because of Assyria because of what Ahaz signs up for. I mean, so when he when he sacrifices his son, I mean, he's 
kind of forecasting that he's sacrificing Hezekiah. And I mean, really, um, I mean, the whole line of Judah, which is not going to last very long. Um, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you make it? I feel like like the, I, these images, right. Of, the, of yeah. the tree and the sacrifice of the sun, like they're so emblematic of what happens in the big picture. Well, it gets, it gets, it gets, uh, I think there, I think your point there is good. And it, it gets, it gets even deeper when we keep going and keep attaching Isaiah seven to it, because when Isaiah goes to Ahaz, Ahaz is with his son, uh, Shear Jash Jashub, which means yeah. um, a, res, a remnant shall return. So when he goes down this line of not listening to the Lord, he is he is um, he is uh, kind of bringing about the judgment that will come, which is um, personified in the name of his son. So yes, it continue this whole son yeah. um, reminiscent stuff uh, and and bringing that up really comes uh, to fullness when we take Isaiah 7 and that reality of his son being right there. If you go down this road, yes, there will be a remnant, but that remnant will return because judgment will come against Judah. So don't go down this road. Yeah. Yeah. No, no that's right. And, and that's, uh, so when we get to, to verse 7 and we, and we see that, you know, I am your servant and your son, you know, that this is the, this is the standard language of, well, I mean, of divinity. Like that's, I mean, it's kind of in some ways like, like the, that's a, that's a definition of the king, the son of the god that's behind him. And so when you say to Assyria, like, I'm your son, I mean, you're saying that Assyria is God then. Um, you know, and of course, there's some god behind the Assyrian king too, right? Like, he just kind of keeps right. going, like, in, in the in the polytheistic system. But, uh, but yeah, like you're saying, you know, I mean, what, when you have this this throwing away of the, of the promise um of the line of David to, to have this blessing through the son of David. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get because you're, you're saying like, I'm not David's line. I'm Assyria's line now. Right. So, yeah. so, so you, so you have this, this, this trade, um, you know, this deal with the devil, like you said, um, you know, so, I mean, it comes with a, a gift. It says a present, but uh, you know, it's more accurately described as tribute you know, I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, when you when you become somebody's vassal, you pay them now, right? You're, uh, you know, it's like you're you're paying for the services of their protection, right? In a very like mafia kind of way, like they they own you now. Um, so I mean, so so then so this is this is what happens. What, what do you make of the kind of this middle section here of you know? So so they they pay the tribute. Assyria is like, all right, sure, price is right. Um, they they go march on the north and what's the move here to copy uh copy this altar what do, what do you think yeah especially when you see that ahaz took the money from the treasury um of the of the king's house um and and then he paid it so the king you know david he's taking that which which the Lord has accumulated for for David and giving it to a false king who's not David, uh, and now uh, a David like king uh, he is not uh, because he goes to Damascus, sees this altar, and um, and I guess it I guess the people would 
the uh, maybe not people of Judah, hopefully, but the people of the world would have expected this kind of action. And so he is just yeah. acting like the world. Like if you give yourself over to another king, you're giving yourself over to their worship and their God. Their God is mightier than your God. Sure, you can have your God too, but the higher God is our God because he's, you know, you've submitted yourself to. So then, of course, they would take, of course, you know, in the sense of, um, a horrific downfall. Of course, this downfall leads to the downfall of of worship too, where they're taking the copying. So it's like the the anti Moses moment, where he goes yeah. to Damascus to their high place, where God had given Moses the the uh, the model and the uh, the example of what the um, the holy place uh, for his worship should be, the tabernacle and, um, and the tent of meeting and uh, laying it out. Now he's giving the anti-model uh, to his priest who then goes and, and he does it. And all their right. worship and the burnt offerings and everything is to be offered up on this on this new altar too. Or I, I think it's a great way of putting it, an anti-Moses moment, right? Instead of, I mean, cause that's, what, that's, what, that's what God says to Moses, like, here, come up here. Uh, up under this mountain, and I'm going to show you, right? What what this uh, what this is going to look like, right? I'm going to show you the the design, um, and you're going to go down and and, and kind of copy it, right? And, and I, I think even then there is this kind of idea that it's sort of like Moses is going up to the heavenly temple, and, right. and he and he's looking at it and he's copying it, right? Like yeah. so so when, when when Paul talks about it later about this heavenly Jerusalem, it's like. He's not even like making that up, like or or, or or not to say that making it up, but like it's it's not even as if like the Holy Spirit is like introducing something that's totally brand new. We've never even thought of that. Like the idea was kind of already there, right? Like that that's kind of the point of an altar. Like you're you're, you're kind of copying the other side because they're kind of like two ends for like communication or something like that. And, right. and so uh, and so yeah, so it's an anti-Moses moment. What's fascinating here, right? Though is uh. Yeah, so he's going to have the gods of Assyria now because he's just signed up to to you know have Assyria be god, but you know here he is copying the altar of Damascus. I mean, so so I mean I mean Syria. So you know they had this alliance to wipe out Samaria and Damascus, and what's he do? He goes and he copies Damascus, like the people they have defeated. So I mean, so so what do you what do you what do you make of that side of it? Because this to me is is very much like how. It says in the, in the chapter that he's walking in the ways of of uh, of, of the north of Israel. It, it's like if, if you're going to like sign up for this deal with the devil power game, then not only are you going to have the gods of your superiors, but you're going to have all the gods of the people you conquer as well. I mean, because at the end of the day, the only god is power. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, and I don't and I don't know. I haven't uh, studied uh, the worship life of Syria as as it relates to Assyria and and to yeah. see if there's similarities there. You know, I, I, I'm I'm not sure, sure or whatever that might be, but there's definitely a sense of um when we talk about following in line with, with Israel, the the Ephraim to the north, it seems like they've already followed in line with Syria um, because of the relationship with Pekka and and all that which happened, I mean, there's just such a sordid 
um, relationship with Syria to the north and Damascus. So I, I definitely agree with you that there's there is an oddity that that's there, but it makes me wonder if there was already an, an established kind of northern worship that a, that maybe Assyria and Syria and this whole area kind of falls in line. But I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I mean, because we already know that that Israel was involved in. Um, and this sort of idolatry, and they had this alliance going on. And, and actually, yeah, that's that's a detail that I'm actually not um, really solid on either. To what extent was was Israel already kind of like a vassal of, of Syria, or was it like a little bit more uh, on equal footing? I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, really clear on, on those details. But certainly, you'd, you'd expect that there is um, already a good deal of alignment between mm-hmm. Syria. And, uh, and and Ephraim, as you were saying, because so, pink is like a usurper, anyways. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, that's right. So, so yeah, so y- you have this that uh, you know the God is power, and so it's like you know what we're just it's it's all about power at the end of the day. So yeah, I'll take I'll take my um, I'll take my my sovereign my sovereign's gods. I'll take a serious gods. I'll take my my enemy my enemy's gods. My my conquered defeated enemy. Right. It's just I'm collecting them. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like baseball cards or something. Like, I just want as many as possible. So, like, so what do you make then of the, this bronze altar uh, getting moved moment? Right. Yeah. I mean, like, so you know, it's so interesting. Uriah, you know, he copies it. He he duplicates the Syrian altar, and he like puts that like. In, I mean, it's so bad. He puts it in place of Yahweh's altar there. But then he's like, no, 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 no. Keep the Yahweh altar. Just, just put it over here, and it'll be like my own like personal thing. Like, what, what, what's going on with this? Yeah, and there's some. But then, like the seat, like the bronze, like basin for the water that they would have taken to like wash and wash the the burnt offerings. Like parts of that are like changed and take. You know, he's doing a lot of a lot of stuff. It's more. It seems to be more on the outside and around in the temple court. Uh, thankfully, he's not like going into the holy of holies and changing. Uh, yeah. But it definitely, if, I mean, it's it's not like that. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's it's yeah. not like, like they. Oh, okay. Well, it's only the temple court. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to describe what's happening, and it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. But it's uh, there's. There seems to be, thankfully, uh, by the the mercy of God for His people, a limit to where He's bringing this. And at this point, it hasn't been into the the most holy places, <laughs> the holy of holies. He hasn't gone in, but it's still it's affecting the furnishings that God has given to the people and the and the normal worship of of the Lord. Uh, that the burnt offerings would be um, then offered over here instead of over there. And, well, yeah. yeah. And you have that in the language too, that like in, in 15, um, in, you know, he says, and throw on it all the yep. blood of the burnt offering like that, that kind of fronted emphasis um, that you see that like in, in the, in the Hebrew, even that it's a, uh, you know, there is this substitution idea. Like, no, 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 no. Like, don't do it like you used to do it, but we're going to use this one instead. And it's like this whole incorp- like you've been saying, it's this whole incorporation uh, that we could still struggle with today. It's like as we look out at how do other people worship around the world? How do they pray? Or how do they, what do their 
houses of worship look like. And oh, that's kind of cool. Can we do something yeah. like that in our church? Right. It's right. like, well, wait, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even because uh, we don't. I like, like I admit it. I, I don't personally know of the all the different gods of the the northern area and, and how they worked out. But we can definitely see a uh, an incorporation of all that he is enamored with and all yeah. that he might think was neat, cool, or, or, or in awe of. And yeah. I mean, that still affects us today if we're like, wow, that's a, that's really neat. Uh, can well, we do that in our church? Yeah, well, and, um, and, and this is so one of the questions that came in over email, James, thanks for sending these in. Um, it, just looking at this one for right now, since it's like a couple minutes left, is the king's posture akin to saying uh, better to, to serve in hell uh, or to reign in hell, I believe, is, is the quote from Paradise Lost, right? Uh, better to reign in hell uh, than to serve in heaven. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of like that. I mean, because he doesn't want to be deposed, right? But but then um, what you're saying, brother, uh, about about this like incorporation idea, I mean, th- this is really what happens when when your God is is power. Um, you you it kind of forces you to be eclectic, right? What, and this is the this is the weird thing because we 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 think of ourselves as being like oh we're so enlightened because well you know we take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and um, you know aren't we so like uh, I don't know tolerant or, or inclusive or something like that but like underneath it all the reason why someone is inclusive um, is because of power because it's a it's a power move a good way to be popular right is take to take a little bit of everything from everybody um, a good way to to stay in power right is to, to do these things that kind of like, uh, you know, appease everyone. I, I mean, like, I, I don't think we recognize it, but like a lot of our language of tolerance is nothing more than just kind of a very, uh, I, I don't know, it's a, a very thinly veneered uh, just self-interest. And when we do that, you said it before, like have your cake and eat it too, right? Yeah. When we have taken, we have to understand what we lose. And he has taken something uh, that he sees as will be his success, and he loses his place to reign with the Lord as his king, as the Lord's king. And yes, I mean, I, Isaiah makes this just so clear. Okay, you're done. You're, you're, you'll be over, but the Lord's not over with his promise. He's going to send the Messiah. He's going to send uh, the Emmanuel, God, with us. And, and may that be a reminder for us in the midst of all yeah. these things, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. He's not going to give up his promise. Amen. Exactly. I mean, it's amazing. He, he, some ways, goes worse than the North, right? You know, sells the right of sonship, sacrifices Hezekiah, but God's going to work salvation and, uh, I mean, prefigure Christ uh, through Hezekiah, despite everything that he did. I mean, there's, there's, there's mercy for us in the darkest of times. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, been a joy all of our conversations. God bless you. God's blessing. Thank you. Everybody, Pastor John Shank, Trinity, Edwardsville, Illinois. All right, going on to Habakkuk. This is cool. I bet you can't remember the last time you read Habakkuk. We're doing that tomorrow with uh, Pastor Eckstein. Till then, I'm Pastor H.A.S. Espinosa. Peace. LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.